Hello to all of our viewers. You are with the third episode of Entropics Podcast. I'm Stefka and today I'm thrilled to have here with me Amanda Jobson, who is the Associate uh, Director of Research and Insights uh, at Fetch. Hello, Amanda. How are you? Hi, I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to be here and to chat today. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> Well, I'm also super excited. I will tell you one thing, social media listening has been a hot topic for me. I know the industry as well, but for me personally also. And you are also a social media listening expert. Can you tell us, um, like, give us a brief introduction of yourself? I always uh, feel better if uh, the person who is uh, there is doing it personally. Yeah, of course. Um, so I actually didn't start in market research. I started in academic research. I got a master's degree in education policy studies, which sounds nothing like marketing because it's not. <laughs> um, but I fell in love with research methodologies when I was in grad school. And so after that, I did a lot of research in the academic world. So I was doing more academic research. And then I was collecting all of the different ways that you could do research, you know, interviews, focus groups, surveys. I was just collecting that all. Um, and then I heard the phrase social listening and I was like, what is that? That sounds interesting. Um, so I just kind of took a leap of faith and joined an agency called Campus Sonar where we were doing social listening for colleges and universities. That's where I learned how to do it. Um, and then I was hired at Fetch two years ago, actually two years in one day um, ago exactly to be the marketing manager of social insights. And so part of that job is to, well, it was because now I'm an associate director, but when I was hired, it was to really build out the capability and evangelize it within the organization. Um, and just a quick little background on Fetch. Fetch is actually the United States' top rewards app and we're a leading consumer engagement platform that is really revolutionizing the way that uh, brands can connect with consumers. So it's been really exciting to bring social listening to that kind of, a, that kind of an organization. Hmm. Well, congratulations on your work anniversary. Uh, I'm uh, sure you. that you have many more years, good years uh, ahead of you with your organization. Now, going a little bit back to social listening and social listening only, what mm -hmm. is social li listening actually? Can you explain to yeah, all of our uh, audience? <laughs> yes, I would love to tell the viewers about it because when I first heard it, I had to Google it. Um, so it's the ability to <laughs> gather, monitor, and analyze what conversations are happening online. Now, despite the fact that the word social um, is in social listening, it expands beyond social media. Of course, it includes social media, mm. but it also does include those other websites like blogs or forums or Reddit, uh, review websites, Tumblr, um, really any website on the World Wide Web could, in theory, um, be part of social listening. But there are some limitations because I'm sure that some of our listeners are like, hmm, I don't really love that for privacy reasons. Um, the <laughs> platforms that help us do social listening the most effectively actually can't crawl past, you know, paywalls or login walls. So we're not seeing, if you have your Instagram account set to private or your Twitter account set to private, we can't see any of that. Uh, we're also mm. not able to access your you know, DMs or anything like that. Um, so there are some limitations to what we, can, what we can access through social listening, but it just allows for a broader understanding of the online conversation about a particular topic. Mm. And 
how despite uh, the fact that it goes to um social media and not only social media to gather information how does it differ from other research methodologies maybe in what it delivers or in the approach like what is the main key differentiator of social listening uh, to other research approaches oh that is such a great question um i think speed to insights is a big one because it doesn't take the same amount of time when you're thinking about doing other research methodology methodologies like surveys or focus groups or interviews um, i'm sure our listeners know how much time it takes to do that kind of work because you have to schedule you have to recruit you have to incentivize you have to build out the actual program the questions you're going to be asking and then the analysis on the back end can also take a lot of time Uh, but with social listening you have to write a really good query uh, which uses Boolean. And for those of you that may not know what Boolean is, because again, I didn't know what it was. Uh, those are those search strings that use terms or phrases that are separated by operators like and, or, not. So it's kind of coding. Um, you just have to write a really good query and then send it off and it will bring all of the data to you. Um, And if you're in a social listening platform, which I would recommend that you are if you're gonna be doing this, um, it will usually help you break down that analysis uh, very quickly. So you get a large amount of data in the moment um, and you can quickly analyze that information and pull out the insights that matter to the question that you're asking. So I think the biggest differentiator is just that that speed to insights. The first thing that comes to my mind or the first thing that came to my mind when I first heard about it is that it will be unbiased because people are just in their their natural habitat. They're not doing this for market research purposes. They're not being asked Mm -hmm. the questions and giving the right answers. Is that true or there is still some sort of a bias that creeps in social media listening and it's more of a different uh, technique of analyzing the data into how to uh, tackle that? Yeah, I would love to say that it's unbiased, but it's not. I don't think that there exists a research approach that isn't biased in some way. Um, It's just part of the the human experience, I think. The biggest thing that you have to watch out for, um, actually, there's a couple of things. The first one is that, again, because because people can set their accounts to private, which they should, I'm totally for that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because some people are setting their accounts to private, we are missing some folks when we're doing doing research using social listening. Um, There are also some platforms that can't necessarily be ethically accessed. So like TikTok, for example. Right now, Mm -hmm. Threads is hot, right? Because that was just released. Um, And right now there's no API for that. So it's really hard to do social listening on Threads because that connection isn't there. So there's the people and the platform um, that you can have some blind spots uh, for. Mm. And then there's also just the fact that not everyone despite it maybe feeling this way. Not everyone does have access to the internet, these digital accounts, they're not constantly going on. Um, So you do have a little bit of a limitation in that way as well. Now, I don't think that it makes it worse or better um, when it comes to biases, worse or better than uh, already existing market research approaches, Mm. it's just different. Um, And Mm. as it continues to grow, because social listening is relatively new, um, still relatively new, that we just have to figure out what we can do about it, the types of caveats that we have to put in place, very similar to how we treat the bias that exists in other research methodologies that have just existed longer. Um, And we know a little bit more about how to talk about those. Mm. 
Well, it uh, seems like uh, other uh, methodologies uh, are there to stay um, and social mm -hmm. listening is not there necessarily to replace them. So um, mm -hmm. in what way does social listening complement or enhance other traditional uh, market research methods? Oh, there are so many ways. And that's one of the things that excites me the most about where social listening is headed. So I, I do believe that social listening can be used by itself um, to get answers to questions. But I do also think that it serves a really important purpose when we think, when we think about mixing methods. So mixed methodology mm. is one of my favorite approaches to doing research because you get a little bit of the quant, you get a little bit of the qual, you put different methods together, it allows us to triangulate a little bit better. And so when we think about social listening, it can serve a very similar purpose in mixing methodologies. So I can give you a couple of different examples. Social listening is great for providing signal or an idea of what the contours of the conversation are. So if you want to do a survey, for example, and you're not you're doing an exploratory research project using a survey, there's a lot of different questions you could ask. There's a lot of different response options you could give. There's a lot of different analytic approaches you can take to open ended. But if you do social listening first on the topic of interest that you have, you can use that as a guide to help you hone in on the questions you should be asking, the response options you should be giving, and also how you approach those open-ended responses. Now, of course, you do have to leave space open in surveys for you know insights that aren't present in the social data, but it does give you a really good direction of how to approach this exploratory research. And the same thing can be said for using that when you're developing questions for an interview or for a focus group. You just get this baseline understanding that you could get you know, if you were starting with a survey and trying to inform interview questions, it serves the same purpose. It's just a different medium. You're using you're using the internet um, to help give you that initial signal. So I think it serves a really important purpose, or at least it will, as people become more familiar and figure out the best ways to optimize mixing social listening with other more traditional research methods. Hmm. Well, I do believe that the whole COVID period, I would not call it a crisis because it was a very interesting period of the humankind uh, history that uh, drove a lot of uh, changes, brought a lot of new and interesting, innovative uh, digital ways of doing research. People were kind of forced to do it. They touched on it and they saw, hmm, this is actually interesting. <laughs> so um, speaking of the house, um, how do you actually uh, do social media listening? Is it a DIY platform that you get uh, access to? Mm -hmm. Or is it a team that you need to hire that will do the social listening for you? Me being a 10 years uh, in the research world, can I just jump in and start doing social media listening? Oh, I absolutely love that question. I mean, of course, I'm going to say every question they're asking is a great question because they are all fantastic. <laughs> Um, so anybody can do anybody can do social listening. I, I, it's a learned skill. Um, I mean, I use a platform. Our strategic partner at Fetch is Brandwatch, but there's several other platforms out there that exist as well. We've had great luck with Brandwatch, and they help us because you know we can write that query, and then they do everything on the back end to pull all that data in. We can segment the data, writing smaller Boolean strings, and then we have the ability to build dashboards. Brandwatch also has AI built in. 
Um, so we can do quick analysis that increases the speed to insights even faster. Um, so we can get faster insights that way. So the platform is really key. Now you do need someone who can work within the platform and that's where that training comes in. Um, if you know how to use the platform, I strongly believe that anyone could mm. do social listening. Um, what helped me a lot was having that research background that I talked about where, you know, I already kind of knew how to do the analysis of the open-ended responses. I already knew how to formulate questions. Um, so all of that helped me to be able to learn how to use the platform and optimize the use of that platform even quicker. Um, but I think that if you are a researcher and you have an interest in doing social listening, you can do it. I'm a team of one. Um, so I actually don't have anyone else doing it for me, which has been very much a journey and an adventure. Um, but yeah, I believe that anybody can really just dive in and, and do it as long as they take the time to learn the platform and figure out the best way to, to do the approach, just like you would learn how to do interviews, surveys, focus mm -hmm. groups, anything like that. Great. And from your experience, what data uh, do you typically look for from social listening? You already gave us a few examples uh, in the mixed method, uh, like where we can use social listening. Any other types of data we can go for or any types of data that you normally use it for? Yeah, uh, so every like the most important thing that I use social listening for and that I think honestly, every brand, every company should be using social listening for is just brand health monitoring, uh, because that gives you the opportunity to look at the data, which I'll get into the specifics on in a second. Uh, but it gives you the opportunity to see what that conversation around your brand or your company looks like. So mm. that's something that you don't have visibility into, no matter how good your traditional research methods are, you don't have visibility into some of the major places and spaces in people's world where they're sharing their thoughts or opinions. So the important elements that you can find when you're doing this brand health monitoring are things like volume. You can see how much your brand is being discussed. You can see sentiment. So how are people feeling specifically about your brand? Do they feel good? Do they feel bad? Do they feel neutral? You know, what are, what are your goals um, with regard to that? You're able to see where the conversations are taking place. So what websites are people on? And then with that, you can start to adjust perhaps your strategy. So a specific example for Fetch, when I started, I saw that we had a lot of reviews coming in on a very specific website. I told our support team and our support team set up an account to start addressing some of those support issues on that website. That's something they didn't have visibility into prior to me starting. So that's mm. where the importance of those specific websites come in. You can see, how those conversations are happening. So is it primarily pe people posting original content? Are they doing more of the sharing or retweeting of content? Um, are they commenting about you or replying about you on other threads? Because again, that can impact the social strategy that you wanna take. Um, you can also see, and this is gonna be like the bread and butter, right? Is exactly what are people talking about? What are those major topics of conversation? What are those things that are really good that people love that a brand can amplify? Um, what are those things that maybe aren't going so well that we can figure out how to address in our comms, in our blog, in our social strategy? Um, so having that pulse check is super important. And then mm -hmm. if you are, uh, if you're someone who is in charge of, you know, making sure that the brand is okay and you're listening to this right now, I hope that you're thinking about the importance of crisis monitoring um, because every <laughs> brand should be worried about that. 
Um, and you have the ability to also monitor for those uh, potential crisis mentions as well. So those mentions that might be a threat for reputational harm, um, service, service issues, fraud issues, anything like that. Um, those are things that you can see. And specifically with Brandwatch, you know, I get an email every time something gets flagged to that effect so that I can run it up the flagpole to, you know, our support team, our fraud team to say, you know, we're seeing mentions coming in about this. What should we do? So I would say that's a really important one. And then I think understanding our users as people is also really important. And you can use social listening for that, too, in a couple of ways. Um, the first way we fetch posts, user generated content questions every month. We're asking our users the questions like questions like how does fetch make your holidays merrier? And then they'll respond to that and we will learn from them. This is how they're using the app. This is how, you know, maybe they're using the gift cards that they're earning in the app. Um, this is how they're getting the most points in the app. And so we can learn from that and take that in again to impact our strategy. And then we can also use it to understand what's happening outside of even our users. So you can use social listening, not just for your brand, but to look at the broader context in which consumers exist. And so for us, a big thing is understanding in the United States, there's a lot of talks of, you know, inflation and recession and things like that. And because Fetch is a rewards app, we can look at what consumers in general are saying about that, get an understanding and figure out how we can strategically position ourselves as partners um, to our users as they're trying to navigate these financially uncertain times. So. I mean, that is just the tip of the iceberg. I could talk forever about how to use social listening, but those are like the big ways that um, Fetch is using yeah. it right now. That was a great example of how you actually collect actionable insights and, uh, and uh, you give them to your marketing teams. But um, how does the analysis process look like? We discussed uh, how, um, how you do it and the data that you normally get. Mm -hmm. It sounds a little bit uh, like a, a lot of data, a lot of data to be analyzed. So what the analysis process looks like. And if you can talk a little bit about the timelines of that, you mentioned it will be faster than other research. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the timeline of it depends on the resources that you have. So for us, Brandwatch makes it really easy for us to get those insights really quickly. So. Um, you know, I can write a query, send it off, pull it into a dashboard, build a dashboard really quickly, um, and usually have insights depending on the need. I can do it in a couple of hours. Um, it cool. takes, you know, like it is heads down work time. Like you are not sipping your coffee and just casually like looking through things. If you're told like you got to figure this out, you're going to figure it out fast. But the ability to build those dashboards and have the data distilled like that into very specific graphics will help you immediately get an overall idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first step is going to be writing a good query, because if you write a query that's too wide, you're going to pull in data that's irrelevant. So some of that time is just spent on writing the query, testing it initially to see what's working and what's not. But then once you get that query figured out and you're sure that the majority, I usually use 90 to 95 percent relevancy. Um, if you're 90 to 95% relevant on that query, that is a great query and like, go for it. So you run it. And then when that data gets pulled in, you build that dashboard, like I mentioned, and you can start to see the breakdown of, um, some of those metrics I talked about. So you can see sentiment cause that's automatically identified. 
um, you can see where those conversations are happening, how they're happening, what the top topics are. And with the recent integration with ChatGPT that Brandwatch has, we're able to hit a little button that says summarize mentions, and it will summarize the entire data set for you, um, depending on which part you're specifically interested in. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is just figuring out how to navigate within, a, within the platform itself. Um, but also having some of those qualitative uh, methodologies under your belt as well. Um, and that's where like my, re- my past skills as a researcher were really transferable when it came to me starting to think about how to do social listening because I spent so much time in the qualitative space that you learn the tricks and ways to make that go even faster. So you can read through a list of mentions as well and just start pulling out the major themes, um, kind of de- deducing what the what those themes are so there are some things that you want to watch out for though you know ai is a big hot topic um and there are some things that you just want to be careful of with that because it is still pretty new just because you have a little button that says summarize mentions doesn't mean you should just click that button and say great we're gonna go with that um (laughs) it's super important to also spend time with the data um get to know it a little bit, take it out for coffee, you know, that sort of thing. You want to make sure that you have this understanding of the data set as well. So you can check against what the AI has told you. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, we all know um, that there's always going to be a couple of outliers in that data set. Mm-hmm. And AI will miss those outliers, but those outliers might actually be key to strategy. And so that's also why I say it's important to look through the data set. It's not just to check the AI, but it's to make sure that all communities and all ideas are being represented and discovered uh, when we're going through the research process. Mm, great. Well, um, that that is uh, sounds like the great next step for a researcher. Researcher's job was always to how to ask the right questions to pull out the mm-hmm. right data from their customers in a quantitative or a qualitative way. So just uh, tweaking this a little bit uh, for the needs of the social media listening uh, can be the next, just the next step. So with looking at the future, what are some emerging trends uh, or advancements in social listening that uh, marketers should be aware of? So uh, let's, uh, say, let's say that today we know what social uh, listening looks like. What it's going to look like tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I think the AI is going to have a huge impact. I think as social uh, social platforms change, again, I'm going to use threads in ex- as an example. Like that's just a new place where people can post their opinions. We don't have access to that. Um, so a lot of it is going to be around AI, I think. Um, and I'm really excited about that because there's so much promise there. It's also a little scary, um, <laughs> but... AI is really promising. Not right now, it's integrated in the platform, so you know you can quickly summarize your findings. Mm-hmm. But I think AI is going to become important all the way back at the beginning when we're thinking about that query writing. Um, right now, you probably do have some social listening researchers out there. I haven't tested it yet myself, but you can go to ChatGPT and just ask them for term, terms or phrases that relate to a topic of interest. And it'll give you the list. And then you just figure out how to put that into your query between those Boolean operators. And that'll speed up your process for writing a query. You'll still have to check it, but it'll make the process of actually writing it go a lot faster. Um, And then you have the AI on the back end that I'm sure will only get even better when we start thinking about, you know, how do we uh, quickly analyze data? 
AI will become really important when we think about how to quickly train to, you know, train um, the platform to segment the data in ways that we want it to be segmented. So, you know, when I look at sentiment for fetch, I started training the AI in the platform to identify positive, negative, or neutral as it relates to fetch, not just based on the language that a user was, you know, using in a post. Um, so I think AI is like the big thing that's really going to change what social listening looks like and frankly, how quickly, um, you can do it. I think mm -hmm. concerns about privacy, um, will also impact how people share if people are turning their accounts off. Um, you know, the, the privacy piece is going to have an impact because if people become very protective of their thoughts and ideas and they don't want to share it openly anymore um, and they set their accounts to private, that's something that will get missed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, the intersection of AI and privacy as, as people continue to move forward and figure out what matters most to them when they're spending their time online. Mm. Well, I have, like I was thinking, if someone set their profile to private, can we get some data for this individual just to be able to segment them? Who are the people who normally says their profiles on private or nothing? No gender, no age group, no nothing. We don't know anything mm -hmm. about this. Cool. No, no, they, they're they like, when they set to private, like they are private. Um, so we can't see anything yeah. because the Boolean that you write is actually based on the content of the conversations that they're having. So if I, you know, just do a broad search for fetch, um, which wouldn't be ideal, right? Because Fetch could be our company or it could be like dog related content. But if I were to do a search for Fetch and you had your account set to private, you wouldn't even come up. I wouldn't even see you. Mm. I wouldn't know you existed. Um, mm. But like if I had my account set to public, I would see myself in that in that data set. So uh, mm. no, there's no there's no real data that can be that can be grabbed that way. Okay. so. Me, for example, I've locked my profiles everywhere just because I don't want random people to look at them. On the other hand, mm -hmm. I am part of the market research industry and I have absolutely no issues. On the contrary, I would love my data to be used for any sort of market research, but I still don't want random people to be looking at my stuff on any social platform. Maybe we should talk to Mark Zuckerberg to uh, invent this button to say, don't open it for random people, but use it for social media listening. <laughs> yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, would, that would definitely be the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just to define the two and maybe incentivizing a little bit to these people there. <laughs> I don't know how. Yes. Maybe it's not going to be. Maybe give them points on Facebook or uh, Twitter. We said TikTok is a no-go. But um, yeah, mm -hmm. maybe that uh, can help just thinking on the go. Um, towards the end of this conversation, uh, you mentioned about your story with um, your company and how you've used social uh, listening for it. But can you give us an example of another success story without necessarily mentioning brands or logos, just a success story where social listening played uh, a major role uh, in shaping uh, their successful marketing campaign? Yeah, that it that another great question. Um, so we are two years into using social listening at this point, and we don't necessarily have ROI set up yet. That is a big goal for year three um, is actually being able to measure the impact to say social listening impacted X by X. Uh, we don't currently have that set up, but you can draw the through line right between 
when I share findings to what gets executed, uh, which is so exciting to see. And, you know, I did share that one example with you. I think another one is we've started to revamp what our blog looks like. Um, and we've started thinking more about like, what are the topics that are truly resonating with people? And a big theme that has come up throughout our UGC questions that I mentioned earlier, um, and just the work in general that I've done on our brand health monitoring is how people are using the app to treat themselves during a time where maybe it feels like we can't treat ourselves. Um, and so that's become a strategy that's being used, you know, in our comms, in our blog posts, in our social content is figuring out how do we amplify this idea of treating yourself with the app? Because you're getting rewarded when you shop. Um, users just scan receipts into the app. They get points that they can either, you know, redeem for a gift card later or they can redeem it for charity. And so all they have to do is scan a receipt. And this idea that you could get a $5 Starbucks gift card that could cover a little self-care for yourself um, is huge. And so we've started figuring out how we can bring more of that into how we communicate with users to essentially, um, I don't know if this is the right phrase, but like give them permission to go and treat themselves, go get that Starbucks cup of coffee that maybe you can't afford um, during a regular week because you've got kids and all of that stuff. Um, so it's about kind of reframing the ways that you can use the app, not just to get points and get gift cards, but to really think about that self-care element and how we can treat ourselves during this time where it just feels a little bit harder to do that. And then we also know that we're really popular with smart shoppers. Um, so figuring out how do we integrate some of that content or some of that idea into when we're talking to our users specifically on the blog. So there's some elements like that where you can draw that through line between what we're seeing in social and then how we're executing on that just to align ourselves a little bit more with the realities that our user faces both within the app and in their lives outside of the app. Mm, great. And are stakeholders thrilled about these new technologies and the results coming out of it or are they more afraid of it and still not trustworthy? <laughs> Yeah, so our leadership at Fetch has been very open um, to social listening. They made the job of one person to evangelize at the company very easy because they trusted me from day one to get things set up. I spent a lot of time working with individual teams, both within marketing and outside of marketing, to just educate around what social listening is and what it isn't. What can, what can we realistically expect from it? What should we not expect from it? Um, and then diving deeper into specific projects that could impact those teams. And so as a result of a lot of that like relationship building um, and education and just you know taking teams on the journey with me um, when I'm building out projects for them, it's built a lot of trust um, and a lot of belief in the strength of the capability because you know we don't have time to be sending you know 5,000 surveys. We don't have mm -hmm. the capacity to be doing tons of one-on-one -on -one interviews. I mean, I'm doing those too, but social listening just gives us some of that immediate um, feedback that we need. When we release a new feature or we release an update, like social listening tells us immediately how it's going. Um, and so again, like just that reliability and the trust that like Amanda's there, she's watching everything. She's gonna tell us if something's weird. Um, there's a lot of belief in the capability. I mean, I present every week in our team marketing meeting going over these social listening updates alongside my colleagues who are reporting on things like comms and social. So social listening is just as elevated at this point as an important way in the way that marketing functions at Fetch. 
Um, I have a Slack channel that I update every day. People have come to expect that they're gonna hear from me about, about what's going on and that I'll call things out if we can action on them immediately. Mm -hmm. Things, it seems like you uh, have a great team around you, uh, fantastic stakeholders, and uh, this is well deserved because you've done a great job uh, to make them the cooperative team that uh, you have today. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, it definitely took a village. It was not just me. I've had great mentors. I've had excellent people around me. And just the general atmosphere of working at Fetch has just been fantastic because they trust you. They believe in you. They'll give you the flexibility and the freedom to do to do what you think is best. So I've had a lot of fun just figuring it out along the way and building out the, the capability that I think is going to have a huge impact. I mean, it already has. <laughs> well... I hope that it's going to be two years plus one day and many more for you at this amazing company. Thank you so much, Amanda, for your time with us and for this uh, incredibly interesting uh, conversation about uh, social listening. I hope it was interesting for uh, our audience as well. I am sure that they can find you and reach to you on LinkedIn if they have more, more questions. Uh, about the company or about social listening and uh, wish you a pleasant rest of the day. 